I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright. And today I'm joined by Heather Knight. I'm going to say OBE as well, Heather, because I feel I have to mention that as part of your title. Um, Heather, you led the England team in their first Women's Cricket World Cup as captain. You went on to win the tournament in this incredible final against India. And I literally remember sitting in the stands at Lords watching on and it was so exciting. Um, I was sat with my mum and my dad, both of whom really love uh, following the women's team and you know being involved in it from my side musically it was just so exciting to see you guys do so well and kind of reach that pinnacle of the sport um, you've got so many accolades within the sport yourself and there's some you know incredible records that you've done with partners like Natalie Skiver as well during the World Cup and of course as I mentioned earlier you've been awarded an OBE following your team's success in 2018 in that New Year's Honours list um, um, there's so many more things I'm sure but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me about music of course and not cricket but I'm sure we'll get onto that that topic um, during our chat today and of course you're back training now as well which is something that's pretty recently happened um, so I should ask you how is it all going since you kind of got back into training with the team? Yeah wow what an introduction I'm not sure I can live <laughs> up to that introduction but I'll give it a crack. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's going really well. It's It's been so nice to be back, to be honest. So we've been back uh, probably about three or four weeks now. So started out um, just sort of individual stuff, really, and then managed to get up to Loughborough the last few weeks. Still training in small groups, so I haven't seen all of the girls yet, but just to have a bit of interaction with your teammates that you kind of haven't seen for uh, three, four months when you're used to living out of each other's pockets has, has been lovely. Yeah, of course. And I, I guess also... I feel like cricket has been that sport that's been in people's minds recently because you've been allowed to, you know, you've been allowed to go back full time within the sport, men and women. And what's it been like in terms of the training? You mentioned you're training in like small groups. Is there, you know, what other kind of rules and things are in place, you know, because everything's changed so much since COVID? Yeah, so there's quite strict regulations in place still uh, for our training days. So we have to take our temperature before we leave the house. We have to get our temperature taken when we get to the ground. We have to fill in sort of questionnaires about if we've got any symptoms or house members have any symptoms. And then there's a lot of um, latex gloves involved and um, not being able to touch each other, other's balls, which um, obviously creates a lot of innuendos. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just been really nice to get back training. Oh God, training, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, it's a one skin, one ball at the moment. So <laughs> that's that must be so hard as well in terms of you know training something that you've been used to doing for so many years and having to change everything you know um, about how you approach the sport must feel really weird. And of course, like everyone, myself included, over the past few months, you know, life has changed dramatically. And um, I suppose I should ask you, you know, how how has it been for you? Like I know for a lot of people, there's been lots of up and ups and downs. You know, other guests I've had on the podcast talked about how life has changed, but how there's been so much more time spent with family, with friends, and kind of I guess the simpler things in life, you know, being really, really important and at the forefront of people's minds. How's life been for you kind of through the last few months? Yeah, well, it was really strange, I guess, for us, because we'd been in Australia for seven weeks playing in the World Cup over there. So I guess we were kind of removed from what was going on to a certain extent. You obviously follow the news and stuff back home, but I certainly didn't realise the extent of what was going on until I got back in the country. And then suddenly we're in lockdown. Um, so at the start, I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. It was quite nice. I'd been away for so long. Uh, was staying at my partner's place, my partner Tim, who lives in Bristol. So getting to spend some quality time with him was really nice. And then after a couple of weeks, I just got really restless, to be honest. Um, we had no idea of when we'd be back training, uh, what was happening. And that sort of uncertainty I found really hard because for me, I'm generally someone that loves to get out and do stuff, loves to, to plan, loves to go out for food and loves to be kind of working towards something, I guess. And um, there was no indication of, of what was going on cricket-wise and there was nothing to kind of plan for. So I found that quite a struggle, to be honest. Um, I'm not a massive one for structure, but I tried to to have at least a little bit of structure in my days to to try and um, maintain my sanity a bit. But for me, exercise has always been something that um, makes me happy and I love doing. So I found quite a lot of solace actually in getting out on the bike, going out running, doing things like that. And as soon as we found a day, a date, sorry, that we were going to get back to training, um, my mentality shifts massively actually, and that, that was really nice to to kind of have that back and, and now we're back training and back playing hopefully in a couple of months um, you kind of realise what cricket means to you in your life I guess and and you miss that when it's gone you, you don't always realise what you've got I guess when you're in that kind of cricket bubble and the sort of treadmill of international cricket is rolling along so um, yeah it's been quite a nice time to sit back reflect and um, yeah in, enjoy what what I've missed during lockdown again. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. It's like, you know, that's saying that you kind of seems cliche when you say you don't know what you've got till it's gone. But when you take away that thing that is, you know, everything you know, and I would say exactly the same for me in terms of performing, like I've missed it so much. And although there's been some really lovely moments of quality family time and, you know, maybe... I mean, people talk about learning a new skill in lockdown. I definitely have not done that at <laughs> all, but there have been some some lovely moments. And I suppose having um, I have a young daughter and we've got to spend lots of time with her and that's been really lovely. But I have to say, as soon as I had something in the diary that was classed as work and getting out of the house, you know, immediately my mindset totally shifted and um, was much more positive. And I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I ask all my guests this on the podcast and 
of course we're going to talk lots about music today but do you feel in general music's kind of played a, a big role in your life um or do you feel like it's something that's been there sort of you know in the background how how has it felt for you that music has kind of shaped you through your life oh, I think it's played quite a big role in my life I've always been a massive music fan and I love going to gigs now and and seeing live music I'm a big sort of fan of that sort of indie soft rock genre uh, which I guess you'll get from some of my choices later in the podcast but um yeah it's always played a big role with me and um it's such a emotional thing I think I think it's very unique music in the fact that it can take you back to a a certain time or a place or a a certain emotion that you felt and you, you kind of feel those emotions that you had the first time when you hear that song yeah definitely well let's get into it so this first choice um as you guys know that will be listening I have eight questions I ask my guests and they choose four of those along with four pieces of music um so this first one is a song for tough times and you've chosen uh it's called what's going on by four non-blondes I have always known this song but I didn't know it was by this particular band and I think um, it's such an anthem when you listen to it and everyone knows the chorus, but t- tell me a little bit about this song, you know, how it became a piece of music for you that got you through, you know, a tough a tough moment in your life. Yeah, well, I've probably cheated a little bit because it was actually a really good time in my life. It just represented the sort of <laughs> tough times with that that made it so great. So back in 2014, I was involved in a charity that basically organised to try and break the world record for the highest ever game of cricket. So we climbed up Mount Kilimanjaro with cricket kit. There was 30 of us that climbed up there and then we basically played cricket at the top. So this song became a bit of an anthem, I guess, between myself and and two other girls, uh, Claire Connor, who's actually my boss, uh, head of England women's cricket and uh, Rebecca James who we met on the trip and we just formed this bond really and um, we sort of called ourselves the three non-blondes um, and this song <laughs> sort of became a, a bit of an anthem when we were were struggling um, the sort of lyrics trying to get up this great big hill um, were definitely relevant uh, we were obviously camping and um, being used to our luxuries I guess we didn't have those so there was there was definitely tough moments where it was quite hard um both the other two girls Claire and uh, Bex had, had lost parents as well so that's the motivation for them for doing it so I think it was a really emotional trip I guess and um that song just became part of it and, and I think when I hear it as well I, I think of um other other parts of my life sort of it, it feels like an anthem for I don't know, female, female struggle, excuse me, um, in, in terms of the lyrics about the institution and I guess coming from a sport that um, hasn't always welcomed females, so to speak. It's obviously changing now and has, has changed remarkably since I was a kid, but um, it feels like a bit of a bit of an anthem for that as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's something that I've obviously had, you know, the absolute pleasure of performing for the England women's cricket team on a few occasions. And actually that comes across so strongly, you know, that you have people like Claire um, really kind of leading from the front. And I'd say you are as well, you know, such a good example of that. And I think I'm sure lots of people have talked to you about the fact that, you know, the younger generation of of young girls growing up and young boys actually are going to see that, you know, the men's and the women's team in terms of cricket as a sport are so strong right now. And that, that I really feel filters down and it's, um, 
it's so empowering, I think, for the younger generation to see that, to see the success and to see the confidence. And I think it's so wonderful to see. And I imagine I didn't realize that um, Claire was on that on that journey as well. And and I think lots of people as well would probably say that it's a bit of a dream. You know, you talk about Everest, you talk about Kilimanjaro. I think Kilimanjaro is something that maybe people think, God, maybe I'd be able to do that one day. What was it like physically, you know, and and psychologically to do something like that, let alone playing cricket at the top? But what was it like on the journey up there? Physically, it wasn't too bad. So we took seven days to walk up there. Um, it's obviously not very flat because you're, you're going uphill the whole way. Um, but I think the toughest thing is the lack of oxygen as you get higher up. And um, no matter how fit you are, you don't know how it will affect you. So we had some really fit young people that um, had to go down because they got fluid on their lungs and were really affected by the altitude sickness. Um, and obviously at the top, you're, you're not meant to stay there for very long. So um, we kind of went against guidelines in staying up there to play a cricket match to obviously break the record. And um, it was impossible to run. It was an absolute nightmare. It was sandy. Uh, we took sort of a, a, a flex pitch up that was laid down on, on top of the rocks um, to make the cricket pitch, which worked reasonably well. But um, the best thing was that the air was so thin, whatever ball you hit, it flew through the air. So I've always <laughs> found it hard to hit sixes. So it was probably the easiest I've ever found trying to hit sixes. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, um, I've stayed in touch with so many of the group that did it. Ashley Giles, obviously ex-men's cricketer, did it as well. And um, yeah, it was just a really great experience that was tough, but um, really rewarding. And we raised a lot of money for those charities as well. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, well, before we talk a little bit more about that experience for you, let's have a little listen to a bit of what's going on by Four Non Blondes. Oh, I love it. I was doing a little bit of a headbang there myself. <laughs> um, so that was, of course, uh, they they only actually had one album, uh, the band. It was called Bigger, Better, Faster, More. And definitely like the song that you've chosen is their most well-known song. And I think, yeah, I mean, they only kind of had, it seems, you know, historically a few short years of releasing music. But I agree with you, actually, their sort of um, their legacy, I think, has lived on and will continue to live on purely because of that one anthemic song. Um, I think recently as well, they they performed at a charity, like a fundraiser, which was an evening for women. It was celebrating arts, music and equality. And of course, when you, you know, you sent your music choices through, I was listening to, you know, a live version of this song and other covers as well. And I don't know if you've heard the cover that Lady Gaga did, but it is, I mean, it's no, really intense. Yeah, you should have definitely have a listen to it because it's super, yeah, do. It's super intense. It's quite, um, it's incredibly anthemic. And I wouldn't say it's quite as good as the original. I don't think you can ever be, you know, with a cover as strong as the original, but it's still amazing to hear someone like her performing it. Um, but I don't know if it's, has that brought back some nice memories for you of the trip? Yeah, it has um, really nice memories and, just memories of the relationships, I guess, and the friendships that are made on that trip and uh, just sort of funny moments about not being able to shower and we suddenly realised how how the hell do we do our teeth 
on the first evening, obviously, when we haven't got a sink or anything. So, yeah, it brings back really, really good memories. Yeah, but there are moments like that where you must... And like, okay, this is a very personal question, but yeah, what do you do when you have to go to the loo? <laughs> I've always wondered. Well, we had a portaloo, so um, we had a an army of amazing porters that um, carry your stuff. They're really brilliant oh, wow. people. And there's one guy that is designated to carrying the portaloo from one place to the next. But apparently it's a really <laughs> highly sought-after job between the porters because... Once you sort of work your way up, the the one of the top jobs is being able to carry the toilet from one camp to the other. Um, so yeah, there, there was obviously some sort of toilet, so um, it wasn't completely slumming it. But um, yeah, no shower at all. We had a little wash every morning. Um, lots of deodorant was was taken on the trip. Um, no mirrors <laughs> or anything like that. So it was um, yeah, quite a unique experience and just getting back to real basic things and not having your phone for 10 days was actually really nice and it just meant you you had to chat and you had to play cards and, and do things like that that were, were really basic and, and formed really good friendships in the long run yeah definitely it's those things I think that then those memories last a lifetime um something like that and incredible as well that you you know you raised that money for for charity as well remind me of the the charities that you did it for uh, so we did it for breast cancer uh the Rwanda Cricket Stadium Foundation and for Tusk as well. Amazing. Such, yeah, three amazing charities. Um, I want to talk about the song that reminds you of Good Times next. So this is very much linked to cricket for you, isn't it? This is Proud by Heather Small. Do you want to tell me a bit about this choice? Yeah, so this song brings back the emotions of that World Cup final, really, because it was the song that was playing when we did a victory lap once we'd obviously won the trophy so going around Lords, there was still pretty much a full crowd there, which was amazing. Um, and just being able to to go around with the trophy, um, see friends along the way. I, I found a group of my, my best friends who were there watching, uh, who actually were wearing face masks of, of myself. And my best mate was dressed <laughs> up in my, my full England kit because uh, she stayed at my flat the night before and had had raided the supplies and um, she actually went off to the pub after the game finished and was pretending to be me and, and signing autographs, <laughs> which, um, yeah, is a, a bit of an infamous story between our friendship group. But, um, yeah, just sharing that moment with the fans that had come to watch and, and also friends and family that were there uh, was just, yeah, a really special uh, moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is probably uh, out of your choices as well. This is away from the kind of indie rock vibe, obviously, that is something that you love as a genre of music. But I I couldn't agree more that this song just encapsulates, you know, that moment for you as a as a team. And I remember it. I remember reading after um, the final, after that day, that the uh, viewing figures were incredible as well. And I think it just felt like, you know, the whole world was watching and it was so exciting and showed how, you know, incredibly talented you all are individually as a team, but together as well. And the song, of course, is, you know, so uplifting as well. Um, but did it, did it feel... Did it feel different that day? Did it feel special before the match began or was it kind of, you know, business as usual? And what's your, because I always think people wonder, you know, what's your kind of setup before you go out there? Do you listen to music or do you have sort of a quiet moment as a team? What, how, how does it work? Oh, well, it definitely felt different that day at Lords. Um, I never thought I'd see a full crowd there for a women's game. 
and just the build up to it was was immense um sort of arriving at the ground feeling the buzz and it just felt like such a monumental day for our sport as well because obviously so many people had worked so hard past players uh, to get to that point females weren't even allowed in the, in the long room at Lords um, I don't know how many years ago Rachel Hayhoe Flint had obviously been instrumental in, in changing that uh, and she tragically passed away uh, before that World Cup so there was the emotion of that um, and there were so many uh, ex-players and people that were involved in getting the game to that point it felt like a real day for them as well weirdly obviously we had a game of cricket to to try and um, win a World Cup but it just felt like such a special day I, I remember singing the anthem lined up um, and the oldest living male or female cricketer Eileen Ash who's I think she's 108 now, so she would have been 105 on the day. She was at Lords, and, and she'd she rung the bell and came up on the big screen whilst we were doing the anthems. And I'd been lucky enough to go and visit her in her house and see what a remarkable lady she is. She actually taught me yoga um, at 104 or five, whatever she was then, um, and a real remarkable lady. And hearing the story of of how it was when she played cricket for England and how much it had changed and how lucky we were as a group of players to to be in the sport at the time it is now um, in a period of being professional. And I guess in, in terms of music before we play, uh, we have a, a team DJ who um, looks after all the music. We give requests to them. There's usually themes. I don't actually remember what we listened to on that trip. Um, so a, a group of us travelled together in the morning, the, the early minibus, and we'd always have one person that would do the music uh, our assistant coach Ali Maiden and because we were winning and going well it had to be exactly the same every day uh, every match day that we played um, so yeah superstition even with the music comes into it yeah I was gonna say there's still a little bit of superstition and I literally as you were talking about that and the bell ringing like I got goosebumps <laughs> listening to it it's so honestly so incredibly special as a moment in sporting history and I mean I'm sure that you were asked this a lot you know pre and post winning the final but did you feel like that laid heavy on your shoulders or did you feel just super proud you know to captain the team just proud I think um I think because we were there at the final, like it was, it was just being part of the day was was an achievement, and I probably didn't let myself think too much about winning or or the responsibility or the amount of people watching. Really, I just tried to mm. immerse myself in the game as soon as it started, and and sort of I don't know, not get too overtaken by the emotion of the day because. Um, that would have been detrimental, I guess. And I'm, I'm generally quite calm as an individual and that's how I try and be as a captain. So it's quite important to, to do that. Obviously, in the, the biggest game of, of our professional lives as a team. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember thinking this is this is pretty big, but it felt like our, our tournament, if that makes sense. We'd, I don't know, been on a bit of a journey to get there and it felt like in the group stages and the semi-finals, we just found a way to win those games and playing in a World Cup final on home soil is a once in a career opportunity really and it, it just felt like it was our competition to win so um, yeah well it didn't feel like that actually towards the end of the final as India were, were going away with it but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah luckily we managed to pull it back. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, I think we should have a little listen to a bit of the song now and go back to that very, very special winning lap um, back in 2017. So this is uh, Heather Small's Proud. What have you done today to make you feel proud? It's never too late to try. What have you done today to make you feel proud? Mm-hmm. You could be so many people if you make that grab for freedom. What have you done today? love it does that take you back there (laughs) oh definitely brings back the emotions and just how good a day and how special a day it was it's amazing honestly absolutely amazing how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, we're here to tell you about the Loose Lips podcast. Me being Georgie Porter. And me, Samira Mighty. We are all about honesty and not holding back, especially when it comes to what's in the news. Plus, we answer your questions and give advice wherever it's asked for. Even when it's not asked for. You can expect to hear a little bit of this. That's so... Do you know what I mean? Not really, mate. A little bit of this. Listener letter. I'm a vegan and I'm currently dating a non-vegan. Get over it, yeah. And of course... A bit of this as well. Where do you both <laughs> sit on plastic surgery? On my fake implant butt, bitches. <laughs> I don't. It's real. That's the Loose Lips podcast out every Monday and not forgetting the bonus extra lippy on Thursdays. Find it wherever you found this podcast. We'll see you there. 
this next song is a song from your childhood. Um, now, obviously, I did have to go on to uh, Wikipedia and do a bit of research on you, Heather. And I, I noticed that it said that you actually um, were playing cricket with your brother. That's how you started playing cricket. But you also had this love of indie rock music as a kid. So talk me through, you know, this first ever gig that you went to with your your dad and your brother um, with this band. Yeah, so it definitely wasn't my choice as a kid, I don't think. So I, I was only... 11 I think so I was still in primary school and I think dad basically wanted to go to the gig and mum was like well you're gonna have to take the kids because I've got something on (laughs) so uh, that's how it started really he took us to this gig um all right by car so by no means a a sort of heavy rock band It's, it's quite a light rock music but I think that's where my love of that sort of genre of music started we went along to the the Plymouth Pavilions which as a 11 year old child felt absolutely massive um and having been back there since I know it's really not a big venue at all uh, but when you're a kid everything (laughs) seems really big so I remember thinking wow we're in this massive venue there's all these people in like leather jackets and um jumping around to this music and yeah it just reminds me of um my dad and my brother really and um my dad was big into that sort of music as well I think he thinks he was a bit of a rocker when he was younger. So he always tried to get me and my brother Steve into that sort of music and coming from Plymouth as well with cricket, you have to do a lot of driving. So we spent a lot of time in the car together um, and dad would play a lot, a lot of his sort of old music and sort of current indie stuff. And, and that's where my love of it started, I guess. Amazing. Let's have a little listen to this and then we'll chat some more about it. This is All Right by Cast. So that was released in 1995, 25 years ago. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> a long yeah, time ago. Um, but yeah, but yeah, but it still sounds current now. That's what's so good about, you know, I think the kind of Britpop music and the kind of genre of Britpop is it still sounds current to me now. And I actually was uh, when I was listening to this. So I didn't know this song, but I was reading that the lead singer actually was uh, in the Lars, which, you know, there she goes that song which is obviously a very very well known piece of music um and Noel Gallagher of Oasis described watching the band as being like a religious experience and you know they were labeled like the who of the 90s you know there was this whole genre of music like you say which it seems like um do you feel like this is where your love of this kind of light indie rock music came from is it something that you feel you've decided yourself or maybe your dad kind of had that big influence for you yeah definitely where it started I think um that sort of gentle rebellion that you kind of get from the music as well, I think is probably something I'd use to use to describe my character, I guess, as well. Um, I was one that didn't always go with the norm. I was by no means extreme, but um, I was stuck by my opinions, even if they, they weren't the popular one, I guess. So I think that kind of resonated with me quite a lot as a kid um and I have absolutely no musical talent like I'd absolutely love to be able to play an instrument um but I've tried to to learn as I've been a bit older and I'm like I'm so bad and it's just 
a lot of effort for not a lot of gain, unfortunately. So uh, for me, it's just listening to the music rather than being able to to play it or definitely not sing it. I'm very <laughs> um, bad singer, as a lot of the girls will tell you when they have to stand next to me in the national anthem. There's nothing everyone can sing, Heather. Don't worry, everyone can be taught how to sing. So you know, don't don't call yourself a bad singer, and at least you're singing the national anthem proudly, and that's good. But I think um, you know this this kind of music is you say it's kind of your shows your rebellious side, but you don't strike me as someone who's rebellious. Is that you know for you growing up? When was that? I feel like, you know, you had this decision between potentially cricket and then another path. And and was that for you, was cricket the rebellious path or was that just something you always knew that you wanted to do? I'd say mildly rebellious. I think if I had a feeling in my gut and I wanted to do something now or even as a kid, I'd I'd do it, even if it wasn't uh, what people expected me to do, I guess. Um, Yeah, and I guess cricket might be one of those. Uh, I was... A massive tomboy growing up and cricket back then wasn't a natural route for a girl at all um, but I just wanted to play and wanted to do those things and I guess um, I did choose cricket a little bit over academia um, and it was more because that's what I wanted to do and I, I never saw myself I guess in that environment in terms of going to to Cambridge University or anything I always chose the cricket route and um, wanting to to prove myself in in that respect I guess yeah and I think we should actually say that that's determination it's not rebellion that's just being determined knowing what you want I think that's <laughs> maybe, a very maybe. a very good thing yeah absolutely and what were you going to study at Cambridge if if you went there I was going to do natural sciences so um yeah quite an intense subject I actually did something similar-ish at Cardiff I did physiology instead um but it definitely allowed me a bit more uh, work life and cricket balance I guess uh, which was always a bit of a challenge um, through uni I was always very busy with cricket but going to Cardiff enabled me to have that social life as well and, and do the things that I wanted to do and not just be known as as a cricketer I guess. Mm, yeah and no, I, I, I'm with you on that as well like I you know when I was uh, when I went to university I went to a con- like it's called a conservatoire to study opera and I found it so intense actually in hindsight I would have loved to have had that more kind of rounded experience at university and I think you have to make that decision when you're quite young don't you you know you think that you're well I know speaking personally I thought that I was very grown up making those decisions at the time but actually if you look back on it you probably think it's quite a big decision to make at that age isn't it yeah it's scary looking back now how big decisions when you're young have such a big impact on on where you end up and what your life's like um so yeah it's um a little bit scary really but I'm, I'm really glad I did make that decision um and I think in my life now I always think it's so important to have a life outside of cricket as well I, I see some girls that get all consumed by it and it becomes their identity and um, I think that can be really dangerous as well because when things aren't going well um, it can lead to to bad things so I always try and keep that balance it's it's not always easy you you do get consumed in what you're doing because it's what you love and um, it's a it's a big job and a big part of your life but uh, for me I'm much better on a cricket field when I'm a lot more balanced off it and I've got those roots I guess to get away from the game um yeah friends and family to to sort of just get out of cricket and and be a a normal human being as well 
And what what's in terms of before we talk about your last choice, like what's next in terms of cricket and you know the game and and how things will move forward? Obviously, at the moment you said you're training in little kind of pods, as it were. But what's what's next for the team and for you? So we're trying to get a tri series played in September, September, September with <laughs> India and South Africa. But it's a little bit dependent on the situations in those countries because. I think at the moment with COVID, it's not great there. There's no commercial flights leaving South Africa, which we will need to change uh, to obviously get them over. Um, but it looks like we're going to play. It's, it's really good signs. And that will be in a secure uh, bubble, so to speak. So the men are currently playing test cricket in it at the moment. And it's very much a, a controlled bubble. You you can't leave. Um, there's testing to go in it and it's very much a controlled environment to mitigate any risks of obviously the the disease or the virus getting in to that environment and that's purely to try and get the teams over basically and to get them to play so it's going to be quite a surreal experience Um, one we're not used to when we tour at home because we're We've obviously got the chance to get away and and visit friends and, and family and even go out for dinner which we're not going to be able to do so that's going to be um quite a different challenge but um one we're definitely willing to undertake to get back playing and um obviously get some women's sport on telly which isn't happening too much at the moment yeah exactly I completely agree and I think yeah it must it's going to be very strange I imagine as well without a crowd and without you know I I know when I'm performing when I've done things during lockdown not having an audience has felt so weird and it must be quite similar for you guys I don't know whether that sort of g's you on you know and and kind of encourages you during game time or or whether um it doesn't have an impact but do you think it will feel feel strange yeah it'll feel really strange um I think at the start of my career I was probably used to not playing in front of many people because the sport is nowhere near what it's like now but I guess as a team we've got used to playing in front of people having that support particularly home support the home support is amazing. We often have our families there, which we're not going to be able to have this time. Um, so yeah, it's going to be strange. That's for sure. I think you have to fetch the ball yourself if it goes into the stands as well, which could be an interesting <laughs> one. Oh no! Um, <laughs> hopefully, we're, it's uh, not off my bowling that the balls having to be fetched from the stands too many times. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, when I'm It'll batting, be miles but... away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so yeah, it would definitely be strange, but it's still playing for your country. It's still representing your country. And obviously we'll have to make our own intensity uh, when we do get back out there and playing. Yeah, absolutely. And this last choice, this, this is a song that's always been with you. I love this piece of music. Um, tell me about why this song by The Verve is such an important song to you personally. Well, it was another song that my dad introduced me to on one of our numerous long car trips growing up playing cricket so that album Urban Hymns I absolutely love and this song in particular just I don't know it puts me in a reflective mood makes me kind of think about life and and where I've come from and it kind of represents the struggle of life for me I think Um, and that sort of happiness more or less and sort of having that impact on your happiness yourself and um I just love the intros. Oh, the intro is amazing. I know you probably won't play it now, but um, if anyone hasn't listened to it, it's just an amazing piece of music. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, well, let's have a listen to it now. This is Lucky Man by The Verve. Just where I am But how many corners do I have to turn? How many times do I have to learn? All the love I have is in my mind But I'm a lucky man With fire Yeah, it's, it's such a great piece of music. And I mean, he's, you know, received an Ivor Novello Award as well. Richard Ashcroft, the the singer for his solo work and outstanding contribution to British music. You know, Chris Martin from Coldplay said he's got the best, he's the best singer in the world. Like, I think there's that, what I've noticed about your choices, I don't know if this is something that you've thought about, but there's this kind of gruffness to each vocal and there's an honesty, I think, in the lyrics. And I don't know whether... Um, do you listen to music, you know, in headphones a lot? Is there an intensity to when you listen to it or do you pick up on the lyrics more? What do you think it is about, about this song for you? Cause you mentioned the lyrics and, and the kind of car journeys with your dad. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's the lyrics really. It just, I don't know. It represents to me that life's a journey and it, it changes all the times and you have your, your kind of ups and downs within that. Um, and just yeah his voice is just remarkable I think and I don't know what it is about it, it just makes me emotional even listening to it now just the the power behind it and uh, what it represents I guess and um, I know it's probably about love and and finding love and, and being happy in yourself um, and yeah I guess that really connects with me and just reminds me of those car journeys when I was probably studying for my GCSEs as well so any uh, music that was put on it meant I had a chance to not look at uh, GCSE maths or English. It, it gave <laughs> yeah. me a chance to have a break from that and, and listen to some some really good uh, songs. Well, to be fair, I think your dad was on a, onto a winner by playing that song too as well. It is a great piece of music. And I agree with you. I think actually people who maybe listen to that little excerpt, they should listen to the full song, um, like you mentioned earlier, because especially at the moment, I think a lot of us feel in, you know, quite a reflective space in our lives and and everyone is, is going through quite a lot at the moment, you know, regardless of um, how bad it is, you know, someone around you that's probably got it worse. And I think there's that understanding at the moment yeah. that we're all kind of, you know, we're all going through it but we're going through it together. And, and I think this is such a great piece of music to reflect that. Definitely. Nail on the head there. <laughs> so this is the part of the podcast where I suggest a piece of music for you, Heather. So I probably didn't oh, mention brilliant. this, but yeah. So according to your kind of choices, I've tried to think of something that you A, might not have heard, but B, will hopefully like and feel free to say that you don't like it um but <laughs> you've got to go listen to the full piece of music obviously after um after this podcast because we'll play a little excerpt of it but this is by a guy um his band's called longy and it's the song's called careful what you wish for and i've chosen it because i saw longy live at a so far sounds gig which is like these really intimate venues um you don't know who you're going to see uh when you go to the gig and so you're all always kind of going to get some sort of new music thrown at you and I think that's really exciting so I was kind of exposed to it and he's not super well known but he used to be he was actually homeless for a while and was busking for money playing his own songs and this was one of the songs that he played um and I I think it's got that kind of 
gruffness in the vocal that I feel like you kind of gravitate towards with your music and it reminded me of a kind of Noel Gallagher vibe and so a little less talking about it let's have a listen to it and you can tell me what you think this is careful what you wish for I really like that. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> You're right, his voice is, seems so powerful and a, a bit rough and ready, which I quite like. Um, and the beats behind it, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to that one. Yeah, and it's uh, when I kind of saw the live gigs where he had, so I don't know if you hear it in the track there, but there's um, some uh, trumpets and trombones as well. So he brings in like brass, which I think is quite a modern way of kind of bringing that indie rock kind of genre into, you know, into the modern day. And it's a little bit different. Um, He played at Glastonbury as well uh, on one of the I think it's a pyramid stage um, and it was really unexpected. And I think it's just someone who, you know, you feel like has worked really hard and you can hear that in in the music. Um, but that was my suggestion. So I hope you enjoyed that piece of music. Um, and thank you so, so much for talking to me about all those wonderful memories and um, all of the wonderful music in your life. No, thanks for having me. That's been really nice to reflect on it and um, yeah, catch up with you as well. Thanks, Heather. Legend. See you soon. Thanks, Laura. Cheers. Thanks to you too for listening. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode. We have some amazing guests lined up, so you'll definitely want to come back next week. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why not tell a friend and drop us a review? Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.